What's up guys, welcome back to the John Summer Challenge. Today is July 28th, day 28 of the John Summer Challenge, and we are in John chapter 18, verse one, all the way through John chapter 19, verse 16. And in our passage today, our passage takes place in the early and dark hours of Friday morning, the day of Jesus' death. Having given his disciples one last farewell address and having prayed to his father, Jesus now willingly walks to the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that this is where he would finally be led to the cross to not only suffer and die a physical death, but to take on the full wrath of God, even worse. And we have arrived at the end of Jesus' life and ministry where he will finally accomplish that greater miracle that we have always been pointing to where Jesus will die on the cross in order to save and redeem lost sinners who would put their faith and trust in him. And today in our passage, we will see three scenes, three major scenes that lead up to the crucifixion of Christ. Now there's a lot in here, so we'll try to go fast, but there's a ton. So number one, the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. Number one, the betrayal and the arrest in verses one through 11. Jesus is willingly and courageously walking into his own death. He's not hiding anything. He's not slipping away to avoid the arrest. He's not traveling through an underground tunnel. No, it says in verse 1, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered with his disciples. Now Judas also, who was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Let's make one thing absolutely clear here. Jesus is not a victim. He is not caught by surprise. He is not being trapped or tricked. Jesus knows exactly what is about to happen. This has been planned by God before the foundation of the world. Jesus is doing all of this willingly because he has a purpose he wants to accomplish to bring his Father glory. And he will do so through his submission and through the redemption of men. Where haters of God will be turned into worshipers of God. And when haters of God are turned into worshipers of God, they are made into those who seek to glorify the Father. And the Father gets more glory. Jesus goes to this garden because he knew that Judas would look for him there. It then says in verse 3, Judas then, having received the Roman cohort uh, and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. What is happening here? John says a Roman cohort, along with officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, have come to arrest this one man, Jesus. Can you picture this with me? Maybe at first you might imagine just a few guys coming up in the night when nobody can see them and coming up to take Jesus away. But John says a Roman cohort has come for Jesus. Now, what is this? Well, at full scale, this could have meant that between 600 to 1,000 men have come for Jesus. 
or perhaps maybe more likely, was that a smaller detachment from the cohort of about 200 men came for Jesus. But either way, you get the picture. There is a massive group of men, fully armed, traveling through the ravine of the Kidron to take Jesus away. Don't you think that Jesus would have seen and heard this massive unit coming for him? Surely, but he doesn't run away. His hour has come, and it was time for him to be taken away. So verse 4, So Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. So when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This just shows the incredible power of Jesus, doesn't it? With just the words, I am, hundreds of men fall to the ground. Peter then steps up and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers trying to be brave and trying to show his love for Jesus, but really just acts foolishly. Jesus stops him, heals the soldier's ear, and says to Peter in verse 11, Put the sword into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? There is no need for that, Peter. The time has come. This is what must happen. Then look at uh, John, John 10, verse 17 through 18. says this, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Jesus says this, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. Okay, so first we saw number one, the betrayal and the arrest. And now let's let's look at number two, the trial and the denial. The trial and the denial in verses 12 through 27. John now takes us into two different scenes here. He is going to jump in and out of Jesus' trial and Peter's denial. Do you remember in John 13 when Jesus began his farewell address in the upper room with his disciples and prophesied that Peter would deny him three times? It says in 13 verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Verse 38, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Well, it is here in our passage today where we see that prophecy come true, prove true. After Jesus was arrested, all of the disciples scattered, but Peter finds him again later on and begins to follow him from a distance so that no one would see him. What, what a coward. Listen, Peter loves Jesus enough that he just can't leave him. But Peter's faith is proven to be so weak and he is too much of a coward to associate with him in this moment. So Peter is following Jesus from a distance, and there's another disciple also following. The text doesn't say exactly who it is, but it is believed to be the Apostle John, the one writing this book. And though he never names himself in the gospel, it's believed to be him. And John is somehow uh, known by the high priest and thus walks into the court with Jesus. 
but Peter remains outside until John comes back to let him in. And at the door was a slave girl who let Peter in. But as Peter is walking in, this girl says something alarming to him. It says in verse 17, Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter says, I am not. This is Peter's first denial of Jesus to a servant girl whom he had no reason to be afraid of. And after this first denial, John then jumps to a different scene for a moment. Back to the trial of Jesus. It says in verse 19, The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together, and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. Jesus says, why why are you questioning me? You know exactly what my teaching is because you were there and heard it for yourself. Immediately after Jesus responds, one of the officers illegally strikes him. The creation strikes the creator. And how does Jesus respond? Certainly not how you and I would respond. But Jesus calmly responds. Look at verse 23 and answered him. If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? This is Jesus. This is how he is just so different from us. Look, 1 Peter 2 verse 23 says, And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And then John jumps back to the scene with Peter in verse 25. It says, Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. The second denial from Peter. Verse 26, one of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one who was, whose ear Peter cut off, some, this guy's cousin, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Denial number three. But this time, the other Gospels tell us Peter denies Jesus so emphatically that he does so with cursing. He's literally cursing. So I I don't know this guy using curse words. He completely rejects and denies Jesus. Angered almost, it seems like. A total and outright public denial of Christ. After he denied Jesus the third time, it says that a rooster crowed. And immediately after this happened, Luke tells us that Jesus locks eyes with Peter. Can you imagine that? Peter loved Jesus. And yet in this moment, the pressure and the consequences were too heavy for him. And he acted with cowardice. I wonder how you would respond in a similar situation. This just shows us what our sinful hearts are capable of, doesn't it? And how much we need to be tested and strengthened in our faith. And it also reminds us of how much Jesus loves us, even while we are wretched sinners. Finally, 
just do this, okay. Finally, point number three, the governor and the crown. The governor and the crown in verses chapter 8, verse 28, all the way through chapter 9, verse 16. Jesus is now taken from those Jewish leaders to the house of the Roman governor, Pilate. It says in verse 29, Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Verse 30, They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. Verse 31, So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to them, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. The Jews reveal what they are really after. They want to put Jesus to death. Something only the Romans were allowed to do. But again, this is no surprise to Jesus. In fact, Jesus had already said that all of this would happen. Look at Matthew 20, verse 17 through 19. It says, As Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. Now back to the scene. Pilate is questioning Jesus, but Jesus flips questions back on him. He puts Pilate on trial instead. And Pilate asks, are, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus goes on to explain in verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You have said correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate says in verse 38, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. Pilate identifies correctly that he finds no guilt in Jesus because Jesus is sinless. He's the perfect Savior, and this is why he's our perfect sacrifice. So Pilate gives the people another option. And we see this at the end of John 18, but Matthew gives us more insight. Look at Matthew, verse 27, and I'm going to read from verse, or Matthew chapter 27, from verses 15 all the way to chapter, or verse 25. It says, verse 15 of chapter 27, Matthew. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, uh, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered, a gr I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Verse 20, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. But the governor said to them, 
Pilate said to them, uh, What shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hand in front of the crowd. And he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Wow. These are the same people who were once shouting, Hosanna! Blessed be he, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. In John chapter 12, now they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They have chosen to kill the one who gives life instead of choosing the one who takes life, the murderer, Barabbas, to crucify the creator of the universe instead of a murderer. After this decision, it says back in John 19, in verse 1, Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. This was a gruesome and horrible punishment. One author explains, quote, Scourging was a hideously cruel form of punishment. The victim was stripped, bound to a post, and beaten by several torturers in turn. The whip consisted of a a short wooden handle to which several leather thongs, each with jagged pieces of bone or metal attached to the end, were fastened. As a result, the body could be so torn and lacerated that the muscles, bones, veins, or even internal organs were exposed. They beat him so severely. They mocked him. They spit in his face and forced a crown of thorns on his head. Why would Pilate do this if he found no guilt in him? This was an attempt for him to show the people a beaten, battered, torn up Jesus in hopes that they would see him and be satisfied and no longer seek to crucify him. But this was not the case. Look at verse 4 of John 19. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. They were mocking him. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves. This is incredible. What, What a scene. He says, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Pilate then goes back to Jesus to question him. He says, where are you from? Why don't you defend yourself? Why are you saying nothing? But Jesus makes no defense. He does not try to escape the situation because this is exactly what Jesus has come to do. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to to slaughter, and like a a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. Pilate then made another effort to release Jesus, but the people resisted all the more, shouting in verse 12, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. And Pilate said to him, verse 14, to the Jews, 
Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So then they handed him over to, the, to be crucified. The sinless Son of God would now be led to his slaughter. Jesus will lose his life so that you today may find life in him through repentance and faith. Tomorrow we read of his crucifixion. That's it for today's devotional. I've got three questions for you. Number one, why did Peter deny Jesus? Number two, why would Jesus not defend himself or stop the men from arresting and beating him? Number three, what stood out to you the most while studying this passage and why? Submit your answers to those questions and you will be done with day 28 of the John Summer Challenge. We're almost done. I'll see you tomorrow for day 29.